2 Peter chapter number 1, 2 Peter chapter number 1. In 2 Peter chapter number 1, we, uh, I'm going to begin at the, at the beginning what we've already covered, and then we're going to talk about some other things this morning. We're looking at what God has given believers. And this morning we're going to be talking about responding to God's gifts. We've been talking about God's gifts to us as believers. And we're going to talk about responding to God's gifts. In other words, we're going to be talking about the beginning of the maturity of our faith. That's, that's what we're supposed to do is take the gifts that God has given us and we're to grow in what... Uh, uh, in our Christian life, in our Christian walk. Look at verse number 1, 2 Peter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've seen very clearly how that we were given eternal life by our faith in the gospel. Amen. That's one of the things we were given. And then there in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God gives us the grace that we need in order to grow and to live the Christian life. And he also gives us the peace in our life that we need. Verse number 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We talked about how we have been given the indwelling Holy Spirit, and along with that indwelling Holy Spirit, each of us have been given spiritual gifts. We didn't talk about those spiritual gifts, but uh, we don't have the same ones. We, we, Some of us may have some of the same ones, but uh, we're, we are given the spiritual gifts as the Spirit uh, deems what he wants to do with our life. And uh, But that indwelling Holy Spirit, we are to walk in the Spirit and because he is one, part of the gift that we've been given to help us in our Christian walk. And then we were given the entirety of the Word of God. And he's talking about the exceeding great and precious promises there in verse number 4. We were talking about how we were given the entirety of God's Word and that the Holy Spirit that's given to us opens up to us. So we've got life, eternal life. We've got the Holy Spirit uh, that, that can open up the Scriptures. We've got all of the Scriptures. And then, well, last week we talked about how to appropriate and activate those three things that pertain to life and godliness. And we said that the key is trust and obey. Trust and obey. Know that they are for you. You know that you are, if you're a child of God, you have those three things. And today we want to begin examining the matter of maturing in our faith, or I call it responding to God's gifts, because that's what it is. When we mature, we're responding to what God has given to us. Understand that it is God's will for every child of God to mature in their life and their walk with Him. Now, notice, notice verse 5. 
And he says, beside this, in other words, beside the fact that you are saved, you've been given the Spirit, you've got, the, get, got everything that you need to, to grow, in, including the entirety of the Word of God, beside all these things, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they shall make uh, they make you uh, that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, in other words, the person that's not growing, if you're not growing, the, the, he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For uh, so an entrance shall be administered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we'll leave off reading there, but uh, we're going to be talking. We're not going to be talking about all of this this morning. I just really want to take that. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Okay, that's what we're going to be dealing with this morning. Um, what God has given to us, He expects us to put to use. Amen. Uh, he didn't give it to us just so we could have it. He 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 gave gave these things to us that we might. Uh, better serve Him, that we might glorify Him with our lives. We know that when we were born again by the Spirit of God, we became gloriously saved at that very moment. Holy Spirit came in and we began to walk with God, but we all began the same way. Every one of us began as babes in Christ. And Peter addresses that in his first epistle, in 1 Peter 2, 2, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, word that you may grow thereby. So uh, it's God's will for us to, to mature in our lives and walk with him, but understand that maturity isn't something that is instantaneous. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen at some moment you get saved. The moment you get saved, you got everything you need in order to mature, but you're not matured yet, Okay. So uh, it doesn't happen instantaneous, neither does it just happen automatically over a period of time. I don't know how long you've been saved, and I know I've been saved quite a long time, over 50 years now, and, but just because I've been saved 50 years, that doesn't mean that I uh, am matured in my faith that, that to that degree. It's not based upon the length of time. Some of you might be saved more or less uh, than I have, but uh, we grow at different levels, amen? And some people don't grow because they don't put to use what we're talking about today and what we've talked about for the last several weeks. I remember that even before our children were born, my wife and I had a plan to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We, we had a plan to do that and to bring them up into proper uh, adulthood. And so for the most part, by God's good grace and help, we can say mission accomplished. So just as it takes a plan to properly help children grow into maturity, listen, 
So it takes a plan, takes God's plan, to grow us into spiritual maturity. Takes God's plan. If we as believers are going to be successful in maturing in our walk with God, we must yield ourselves to God's plan to grow us in Him. Now, before we look at God's plan, I want us to understand that there are a number of approaches to, to living the Christian life that will not bring forth maturity in our lives. There are four things I want us to understand about this. Number one, um, don't try to live the Christian life if you first, first haven't trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, you're not, you can't mature until you first have life. Uh, maturity takes a divine power. Something that is dead cannot grow. It just cannot. I remember when my wife and I first got married, and we, we, we were in, living in my uh, grandmother's uh, small little house. She had moved in with mom and dad right there beside mom and dad. And uh, we lived right there uh, on the property with them. But we lived in, the, in my grandmother's little house there. Um, and I planted a dogwood tree out in the front yard. And man, I was looking forward to seeing that dogwood tree bloom and get, you know, get grow and get pretty and all. There was one problem though. It was dead when I planted it. I didn't know that. I didn't know it didn't have any life in it. But it had no life and it would not grow. Maturity takes life. It takes a divine power. The divine power needed for growth to happen comes from Christ's divine nature taking up residence and living within us. When the Holy Spirit came in, He gave you life and gave you that, that, that spiritual life there in Christ. Now, it may seem simplistic, but it is fundamental. Life must precede growth. So if, if you are trying to, trying to live a Christian life, but you're not saved yet, you're beating your head up against the wall. Okay. Second thing is don't try to live by, uh, the Christian life by merely relying on your ability to keep a set of rules. <laughs> we can't finish by human effort what we have begun by faith. Uh, look at Galatians chapter number 3 for just a minute. Galatians chapter number 3. In Galatians chapter number 3, verse number 1 through 5, this is exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul was getting at here with the Galatian believers. He says in, in Galatians 3, 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit? by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, uh, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you uh, the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? He was, was talking about himself. Amen. Um, you know, we cannot just keep a set of rules and think, well, well you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow in the Christian life by keeping God's law. That's not the way it's done. 
uh, Colossians 2 and verse number 6 and 7 says this, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We got saved by grace through faith. How do we grow? By grace through faith. We rooted in him by faith. We are built up in him by faith. That's what those two verses say. Just as we must rely on the Lord for our salvation, so also we must rely on him for our maturity. You cannot mature in the Christian life apart from Christ, apart from uh, the Lord working in your life. A third thing is don't mistake a weekly pilgrimage to church as being sufficient for growth. Some folks come to whatever services they come to and they check off on the list. Well, you know, I did my, did my Christian growth thing for this week. Uh, listen, don't get me wrong. Meeting with the people of God is vitally important for growth and maturity. You ought to be here. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. But the, the Christian life, understand, is not just a once a week, twice a week, or even three times a week happening. That's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Those of you who wonder what I'm talking about there, okay? So that, that's, it, it's a day-to-day relationship walk with Christ. That's what it is. A day-to-day relationship walk with Christ. Now, don't try to live, fourthly, don't try to live the Christian life by simply doing good. Well, I'm saved now. I'm going to go back and do good. Well, that's too general of a statement. And it's wholly inadequate because there's more to the Christian life than simply doing good, Okay? In order to live a life pleasing to the Lord, we must be growing and maturing spiritually in our lives. Let me give you three things about this. First of all, don't confuse length of time saved with spiritual maturity. I I didn't reference that a little bit, but I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number 5. The writer of Hebrews addresses this to his audience that he was writing to. Hebrews 5 verse number 12. Hebrews 5 verse 12 says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's not the, it's not the length of time that you're saved. Uh, it is how, the, how you have let the Word of God uh, grow you in your spirit. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we, we, we had to move because of... Um, I-95 coming through and displacing us. We moved to a, a property up uh, north of where our original house was at. I was 11 years old at the time. And on that road where we lived, there was a an adult man living on the same road that our family lived on when, when I was growing up there um, by the name of Talmadge. 
And Talmadge was about the same age as my mom, about the same age as my mom. And, uh, but Talmadge had suffered some brain damage when he was a child. And it wasn't his, wasn't his fault. He, it was brain damage. What, what I'm wanting to get, he had the body of an adult man. And you would see this adult man out there pulling children's toys that belonged to a five-year-old. That's what he would do. Um, he, he had the mind of a six-year-old, I think they said. And uh, he, had, he was that way all the way until he died. Now, that was sad to see. But you know what's sadder than that? Seeing a believer who hasn't grown much, whose spiritual life has stagnated, no growth there. Um, and it happens, sadly. Now, uh, so we don't, don't confuse length of time saved with spiritual maturity. Second thing, don't confuse Bible knowledge with spiritual maturity. It's not the same thing. Bible knowledge is not the same thing as spiritual maturity. James 1.22 tells us that we're to be, what, doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. And James 4.17 says that whosoever knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Sin. So if you know to do good, you've got the knowledge, but you're not doing it, uh, you, you haven't matured. And then the third thing here, no matter how much we mature, there is room for more maturity. There in our text, uh, uh, where we stopped reading at, I want you to take a look there, Second um, Peter 1, look at the verse 12 and 13. Peter goes on to say here, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, which is what I'm doing this morning, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Put you in knowledge, remembrance of these things, though you may know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it is meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know, that's what that's what my job is as a pastor. It's to stir up your remembrance of a lot of things that maybe you knew at one time, but maybe you haven't put into practice. And that's what we're to do. We're to put them into practice. Look at what the, the Apostle Paul said to the Philippian uh, believers there in Philippians chapter number 3. Look at Philippians chapter number 3 and uh, verses 12 through 14 here. Philippians 3 and verse number 12. And, and Paul is re- referencing himself as well. He says, Not as though I had already attained... Either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, he didn't think he reached his full maturity yet. That's what he's talking about here. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, if the Apostle Paul needed to grow, we need to grow. If I, as your pastor, uh, am not reached full maturity yet, and I'm still maturing, I still haven't arrived, uh, we all need to mature. Now, as we think about maturing, I want us to consider this morning the life of uh, the Apostle Peter. The man who was moved by the Holy Spirit to to write this epistle to 
of believers. He is the one that is telling us about these things that have been given to us and what God expects out of the things of, that he's given to us. You think he learned those things by book knowledge or you think he learned it by experience? Experience. Amen? Uh, let's think about these things. He's telling us about these gifts given to us and the growth expected of us. Uh, well, you know, Peter, understand Peter was one of Christ's original 12 disciples. He, and in being one of Christ's disciples, he saw the power of Christ firsthand. And by that I mean that he saw Christ healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying the loaves and the fishes, and doing other miracles that only God could do. He saw the Son of God in action as God the Son. Amen. He saw that take place. Peter was also part of Christ's uh, inner circle. You might find that in the scripture, that inner circle in there, but you will find um, that he, he and James and John were invited to go places that some of the others didn't get to go. Uh, and I've given you the references there. We're not going to turn to these passages of scripture, but I, I encourage you to, to take time to read the and study those as well. Uh, those three, Peter, James, and John, were taken on the mountain where Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ was transfigured. Taken up on the mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there. Uh, those three were also taken a little bit deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane as uh, on the night that Christ was uh, arrested, as he was going in there to pray. Uh, the, these three went a little bit farther uh, deeper into the garden than the other disciples did. Peter, we know, also walked on the water. Uh, we find that story in Matthew 14. And again, I'm not, I'm, we're not turning to all of these stories. We'll turn to a couple of places. But uh, I've given you the references there for you to look up and see those things. But when he walked on the water, remember in Matthew chapter 14, the Lord Jesus invited him to come out uh, and walk on the water. And right after that, as his attention turned from Jesus to his circumstances, he sank in the same water. Peter was then lifted out of the water by Christ. Remember that? Now, I want you to turn to Matthew 16, though. Matthew 16, because we, we see here two, two separate things that are, are, are given to us in, in Matthew 16. And, and that is where... Uh, Peter got something right, and Peter got something wrong. Right in the same passage. <laughs> he got it, he got it real good and right the first time, and he got it real bad and wrong in the second, second thing that's going on here. Matthew 16, verse number 13, uh, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got that right. Amen. That's who Jesus is. And then Jesus Blessed him, he says, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, skip down to verse number 21. Here in the same 
context here. Um, Jesus is uh, uh, telling his disciples what's about to happen to him. Look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine? He's rebuking Jesus. (laughs) Saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So um, he got it wrong. Uh, but the, where he got that wrong from was you know, Satan was behind that, not not uh, not the Lord. So we see that Peter didn't always get it right, but Peter didn't always get it wrong, did he? In Luke twenty-two, we're not going to turn to the story, but we all know the story of uh, the agony of uh, Peter failing the Lord there when the, our Lord was uh, arrested and. Um, Peter denied the Lord three times. Remember that? Remember how, how he denied? Uh, and when he, when he made that third denial, his eyes met Jesus' eyes. Remember that? And uh, can you imagine the disappointment? And I'm, I know Peter was greatly disappointed in himself because of that. But the Jesus, had, Jesus had told him that it was going to take place. He said, you know, that's not going to take place. The Lord says, yeah, it's going to take place. And it did. Peter knew what it was like to be called of the Lord, though. Jesus told him, follow me, back in Matthew four nineteen, And even after Jesus' resurrection, and you know, after, he had failed, after he had failed the Lord, the Lord went to the cross, and the, the Lord appears to him in the resurrection in John chapter number 21, Jesus uh, asked him about his love for him. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Three times he, he asked him. And the answer was, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then he also told him, he said, follow me again. Just like he'd done at the beginning when he first called him. He said, follow me. Um, and so Peter knew what it was to be called of the Lord. Peter knew what it was like to learn at the feet of Jesus. You think about the the disciples were there when Jesus taught the crowds, the multitudes. And in fact, a lot of times the Lord was uh, teaching his disciples and the crowd was hearing what he was telling his disciples. Um, But he knew what it was like to learn at the feet of Jesus. Peter knew what it was like to have to wait also. How many of you hate to wait? We, we, we hate to wait, don't we? But you know they were told to wait. Uh, he was in the upper room awaiting the coming of the indwelling Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what they were told to do. You know, um, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they were there in that upper room waiting for the coming of uh, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that did take place like the Lord. But, you know, he had to learn to wait. Peter knew the joy of being obedient to the Lord. 
there on that day, the, uh, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. There were about 3,000 saved when he preached on the day of Pentecost there in Acts chapter number 2. Then uh, there were also some other things, uh, some things he experienced as an apostle of the Lord. He was uh, there along with John when they healed the lame man at the uh, gate of the temple. He and John were in on that in Acts chapter number 3. He showed the church the serious nature of sin when he dealt with Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts chapter number 5, it was Peter was the one that told him, hey, hey you know, they're fixing to carry your carcass out. You're fixing to drop dead and they're going to carry your carcass out because you lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And, and that did take place. Both of them died. He was used of God to open the gospel to the Gentiles. Remember the story of Cornelius? How Peter, Peter was a strong Jew. And the Lord showed him that the Gentiles were going to be believers too. He used a vision to get across what he wanted Peter to do. And we know that he did is just as the Spirit moved him and the gospel was open to the Gentiles. He was delivered from prison by an angel in response to prayer in Acts chapter number 12 and verses 5 and following there. And as he penned these words in this second epistle, Peter was about to know what it was like, what it would mean to, to die for the Lord. Now, the Lord had already told him that was going to take place even back when he talked to him in John 21. Uh, when he told him, feed my sheep, you know, uh, and he told him, follow me. Uh, in John 21, verse 18 and 19, he told him that. And here in verse number 14 of our text chapter, 2 Peter 1, verse, look at verse number 14 there. Says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. So he remembered back what Jesus had said, and he he knew that the time was coming, and he was about to have to give his life for Christ. So Peter was once an immature believer, just like we were when we got saved, but he had grown very much into maturity. And by the time he wrote the book, the, these uh, two epistles, the first and second Peter, he was very, very much matured in our Lord. When Peter was immature, he walked where he wanted to go. Listen, if we are walking where we want to go, we are immature too. When Peter was mature, he walked where the Savior wanted him to go. That's how one way that you can tell whether you're maturing or not, whether you're walking more the way that the, the Savior wants you to go than you are in the way that you want to go. If we're walking where the Savior wants us to go, no matter the consequences, then we have attained a degree of spiritual maturity in our lives. Now, as we look into this portion of Scripture and the next few messages, we're going to discover that Peter, who, who grew into maturity, gives us God's plan for maturing us. That is that add to your faith. He's not saying, 
to add these things for salvation. He's, he's talking about adding them for maturity. They're already saved, already born again, on their way to heaven, but uh, we're, we're, we're to want more in our Christian life than just to be saved and be on our way to heaven. We all ought to want to be like Jesus, amen? And we ought to want to grow and, and do uh, God's will for our life. So in the next few messages, we're going to be taking a look at uh, God's plan for maturing us. Uh, he describes God's part in the process of maturity. He describes our part in the process of uh, including seven steps to spiritual Im- spiritual maturity. And we just read them a while ago when we read the text. Okay, they are, they are included there in verses 5 through 7. By verses 5 through 7, there are seven things, seven steps to spiritual maturity. And he promises success to all who will follow the plan. So, we learned that the Lord doesn't expect us to live by our own strength or knowledge. Uh, we, we, we've learned that already. God, God has given us His power and His nature and has promised to help us. So if God wants us to do whatever, if God wanted us to walk on water, guess what? He could accomplish that in our life. If He wanted us to move a mountain, if He wanted us to overcome temptation, if he wants us to forgive someone or show love to someone or lead a person to Christ or do anything else for him, we can be sure that he has already given us all that we need in order to do it. But again, it goes back to appropriate and activate. Trust and obey. We must trust the process, trust the Lord, it's his process. Trust and obey. Oh, and when he when he says it weird, there look look at verse number five again. And beside this, beside, beside the the what you've already gotten, he says, giving all diligence. In other words, put your effort into this. Get all the effort you got. You need to you need to be working toward this way. Add to your faith virtue, and we'll we'll pick up there. Lord willing, next Sunday morning, and uh, look at these seven steps uh, to maturity. Begin to take a look at that. Amen. I hope that you know the Lord this morning. If you don't know Him, come to know Him today. Because none of this is applicable until you first know Him. Until you first have life, you cannot grow. So get that life. He wants you to have life. He wants you to have it more abundantly. That comes through repentance and faith. You turn from whatever it is that you are relying on for salvation to what the Lord wants us to rely on, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and Him alone. Him alone. That's what we trust. Amen. So, if you don't know the Lord, come to know the Lord. If you do know the Lord, let's get busy in the process of maturity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for...